Hallelujah. 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 At this time, Mighty we're going to invite Pastor Herring to the pulpit. We hope you have your Bibles open and ready. Let's be fed, church. Praise the Lord again. Good to be with you today in your homes or cars or however you're paying attention. I pray that, as Brother Rob said, your mind is set and ready for the, for the distribution of the Word of God. Uh, I believe that here a little and there a little, God's will is being accomplished. God's will is being done in your life and mine. I invite you to read this morning, or at least open your Bibles and read. Maybe turn on your phone to the Bible app and read from the fourth chapter of the book of James. I'm going to read from the King James translation, and then I'm going to read the same couple of scriptures from the CEV, the Contemporary English Version, and then we will proceed. So thank you for your patience. I want to just give a little quick shout out to all the people that are making these services happen. Um, we are, in my opinion, Sunday morning still church time, Wednesday night still church time, and but there are a lot of hands, or at least several hands, making these broadcasts available to you at home. And I know you appreciate that. It certainly isn't me. Uh, it's their hands that are working so diligently, their minds that are wrapping around these issues and getting all the details worked out. So thank God for those that are working so that you can uh, still have some semblance of church. I'm reading from James chapter 4. Again, the King James, verse 13. The Bible said, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Sobering thought right there. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now let me read this in language, again, from the CEV that makes it a little more, a little more like you and I would talk. James 4, 13-15. He says, you should know better than to say, today or tomorrow, we will go to the city. We will do business there for a year and make a lot of money. What do you know about tomorrow? How can you be so sure about your life? It is nothing more than a mist that appears for only a little while before it disappears. Verse 15, you should say, if the Lord lets us live, we shall, we will do these things. I'm going to talk from this thought today. Do my plans matter? Do my plans matter? Pray with me, please, at home. And I really mean that. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness today. Thank you for every ear that is listening, every heart that is tuned in today, God. I'm asking for your will and your presence to be rich and accomplished in our minds and our souls today. Let us do exactly what you want, no more and no less than your perfect and divine will. Strengthen every hand that's weak. Encourage every soul, God, 
that is, that is weakened today, give joy and overcoming sense of victory in the heart that's full of fear. We ask it all in the precious and holy and wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Do my plans matter? Most of us have been taught to plan ahead. And I agree with that. Mr. Webster says that a plan is a program, a blueprint, a scheme, a layout. So whether you are devising an idea for supper tonight or dreaming about a retirement home, it's good to have a plan. Even people that like to live only in the moment, you've heard it said before, that only those people that plan or save for a rainy day have rainy days. Well, that sounds cute and cliche. It's just not true. Even people that like to live by the moment or in the moment, they plan occasionally. 600 years ago, German theologian Thomas Kempis said this, that while man proposes, it's God that disposes. Hmm. Meaning that God's plans determine our end and not our own plans. Solomon was thinking along that very lines when he wrote Proverbs 16:9 that a man's heart devises his own way, but it's the Lord that directs his steps. Hallelujah. I can hear somebody saying amen right now. But we plan, we plan and we plan and we plan. From the grade school to the grave, we plan. I remember, oh, three years ago this Tuesday will be the day that my father passed away. And I remember four and five and six years ago, my dad sitting me down and saying, son, I want to talk to you about something. And he would show me the paperwork where he had planned and he had laid out the scheme, the schematic, his plans, everything's taken care of. Son, he said, when I pass away, the graveyard plot's been paid for, the service that the professionals conduct, it's all been taken care of. I don't want you to have to worry about anything but putting me in the ground. As morbid as that sounds, the point's being made. We make plans from grade school to the grave. Everybody plans. Amen. We watch the price of gas. We watch the stock market. Some of you do. I don't. We watch the economy. We all do that in hopes that our plans can just succeed. And when our plans fail, we are all forced to live life the best we can, the best way we know how. When plans fall apart, when plans reveal they're not going to succeed, we're forced to react, and we react by just getting by, doing the best we can. What's wrong with that? The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, the last few words of verse 13 and the first few words of verse 14. He said, when you've done all to stand, 
Just stand, therefore. That speaks to me today, that sometimes plans, they do fall apart. And the best I can do in the moment is just stand. React the best I can, but stand and weather the storm. But consequently, life forces us to change our plans. Have you ever changed your plans before? Silly question. We've all changed our plans. We change them routinely. And while some changes of plans are as minute as adjustments, tinker with this, turn the volume down there, we turn the heat up here. Minor adjustments. We're all doing adjustments in the crazy, bizarre world that we live in in 2020. We're all making adjustments in life. We didn't plan on this. We had no idea we would be quarantined in our homes or our places of business. So we're making adjustments. And again, to many of us, to many of you today, those adjustments are minor. Perhaps you are being a good steward of your checkbook by turning your heat down a little bit in your home, not knowing how long what you have in the bank will last, Maybe you're turning the lights off a little more frequently, and that's good. You're adjusting your plan. But there are other people whose adjustments to change are not so minute. We could call those changes they're having to make radical changes, radical changes. I spoke to a lady this week in the retail community. I don't know her personally, but I know her professionally. I've spoken to her frequently as I go in and out of her place of business. And when I saw her this week, she had obviously been under the surgeon's knife. And I started up a conversation with her and said, you know, what, what's going on in your life? Why are you all bandaged up and wrapped up like that? She said, she explained this major surgery she underwent very recently. And I just looked at her in amazement and I said, and you're back to work already? You're here having just gone through that, that deep of a surgery, and you're wrapped up, you're inhibited, you're restricted in motion and movement? I said, you've you got to be a pretty tough lady to be back to work this quickly. And she looked me square in the eye, and she said, toughness has nothing to do with it. She said, I've got nobody to pay my bills. I've got to put groceries in the refrigerator. I've got to pay the car insurance. My point being this, that while you and I might be making minor adjustments, there are some people out there just struggling to survive right now. They're not just worrying about turning the lights off. They're worrying about having enough power to keep the lights on. Adjustments, be, those, be they small or radical, they can be uncomfortable. It can be inconvenient. They can change our plans in a moment, in a heartbeat. But Paul the Apostle said this. He said, all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. All things. Let me talk to you, brother and sister. Let me talk to you, visitor, today. Whatever you're going through, all things work together for good. That means everything you're going through the things that you have no idea how you're going to get through those, how you're going to make your money stretch over 
over so much time. The worry, the fear, the anxiety. Paul said, all things work together for good. To them who are the called and love God to His purpose. It's, it's, it's all about you understanding me, myself understanding that God's promises are for you personally. So we're making changes. And you know what I'm saying is accurate. We all have said a time or two, well, if this doesn't work, we'll go to plan B. Because we know that life is about changing our plans. The great wise man, the patriarch Solomon said in Proverbs 20, verse 24, of the CEV, again, I will quote, He said, how can we know what will happen to us when the Lord alone decides that? We make plans. Do do my plans matter? It's God that's going to decide in the end what works out or what does not. That same wise man said in Ecclesiastes 7.14 of the King James Version, He said, in the day of prosperity, go ahead and be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. What do I consider, Solomon? It is God that has set one over against the other to the end result that man would know there's nothing after him. Even though I'm changing, I'm adapting, I'm I'm manipulating my plans on the fly, so to speak. I trust in the hands of God today. He is our help. Morning, noon, and night. Hallelujah. He is everything to you and to myself. Praise God. So I confidently want to assure you today that His eye is on the sparrow. Matthew 10, 29. He knows when one sparrow falls to the ground. And so, I assure you, He's watching over you. He knows what you're worried about today. He knows what you're stressed out about right now. God knows it, and He's got it in His hand. He's in control. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I I believe that's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The enemy of your soul today would do, like to do nothing more than to just wreak havoc on your mind. Steal your peace. Steal your joy. Take away anything that is, resembles sound or solid in your way of thinking. But God's in control, and He's given us a spirit of a sound mind. In the middle of a storm, you can say, wait a second, I'm going to think sober thoughts right now because God is in control. In the middle of an attack by the enemy, you can say, wait a second, God did not give me that attitude of fear to succumb to right here. Hallelujah. Brother and sister, hear me today. It's going to work out. One way or another, sooner than later, it's all going to work out. Oh, I wish you'd take that as a personal message today. It's all going to work out. Isaiah said it this way. 
He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Chapter 40, verse 31. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. And then David, Palmer Pentecostal Church in Psalm 27, he said, verse 13 and 14, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Hear me, church. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. I'm telling you, it's going to work out. It's going to come together for your good. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's called divine providence. Brother and sister, did you hear that? It's called divine providence. Want to know what that means concerning your life? It means there's nothing that has not been ordained. There is nothing that has not been orchestrated or okayed by the hand of the Almighty. Einstein said this, God does not play dice with the universe. There are no accidents, unquote. All moves have a meaning. Nahum 1 verse 3, the Bible said, God has his way in the whirlwind. Did you hear that? Nahum 1 verse 3, God has his way in the whirlwind. What an assurance today. All right, I'm winding this down, but I, I, I want you to catch these next few points. They're so important today. No matter where your plans are, no matter if you even have a plan anymore, if all your dreams have been dashed, if everything you've set out to accomplish, if every scheme you have devised in life has been uprooted and turned away, listen, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't ever quit. Don't ever Quit. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep having faith in God Almighty. Do your plans matter? Do my plans matter? You keep fighting the good fight of faith. You hang in there. If everybody else throws in the towel and runs away from the throne of God, you stand strong. You be committed. You be dedicated. You be solid. It's going to all work out in your favor. Hallelujah. Keep fighting. I want to say this and I'll support it with a story from the Bible. The only person that I really believe, the only person that I really, truly believe that God cannot save. That got your attention yet? The only human being breathing a lie that God cannot save is the quitter. Jesus said, they that endure to the end, Matthew 24, 13, 10.22, Mark 13.13, 13, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. The only person God cannot work His miracles in is the quitter. Not that God isn't capable, but when a man or a woman walks away from God, they give Him no chance to be merciful. It's like the... It's like the, the Angry husband that storms out of the home when he misunderstands something. When he's too impatient to listen to the reason of his wife or his child. 
and they're trying to explain to him, but he slams the door in disgust because he wants nothing to do with a reason. There's nothing that family can do for that man. He's not listening anymore. God can't help the person that turns off his voice. God wants to help. God's capable of helping. You get the point. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is preaching to thousands. Thousands. The Bible said there were at least 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. 5,000 men, and Jesus is preaching without the aid and the assistance of technology. Just the power of God in his voice. And the Bible said when he's done, excuse me, he puts the disciples into a boat and he sends them across the way to Bethsaida as their destination. I, I, I don't know how he does it. He's God in flesh, but the Bible said he's there alone with the crowd. One God in human flesh. He's capable. He can take care of it. The slightest need present in that crowd. The, the stillest, most quiet voice. He can hear the whisper. He can hear the crying whisper of a child or a hurting family. He sends the disciples congregated together across the way to Bethsaida. And on their way across this body of water, guess what happens? A storm arises. Oh, brother and sister, if you believe what I told you last week, that God is omniscient, meaning He knows everything, then you have to admit Jesus knew when He put those men in that boat, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Thaddeus, Thomas, James the less. He put them in that boat full well knowing the storm is going to intersect your life. Had he had told Peter, you're about to get a rude awakening and changing of your plans, Peter would have probably bailed like I would have bailed. He would have probably said, I think I'll walk around the lake or the sea, the body of water. But he didn't tell him that. He just put him in the boat, said, go to Bethsaida. Hmm. The storm comes, and the Bible said they end up in a place called Gennesaret. Now, you need to know three things about Gennesaret. Gennesaret was a small community like we live in here, like you live in there. It became a synonymous term for the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. And thirdly, it was the, the entire countryside was identified as Gennesaret. So there's a community called Gennesaret. The Sea of Galilee was referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret. And the entire countryside was called the same, Gennesaret. So depending on Mark's geography, how it's changed from today to then. Landscape changes. Things occur. One commentator, one commentator said that it was at least a minimum of nine miles when they touched shore, when they put into the harbor, when they got into the portals of Gennesaret. 
they were at least, or excuse me, I said it again, but a minimum of nine miles off course. One writer said it could have been numerous miles more than nine. But let's say for the sake of this discussion, they were nine miles off course. The storm changed their destination. The storm changed not only their plans, but where they were going, where they would end up. So there was a test that day. The test upon Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Thaddeus, Thomas, and James the less was not, how are your navigational skills? Can you safely guide us into the ports of Bethsaida? It wasn't even, you know, do you want to be the, another member of Davy Jones' locker? It was simply, how will you handle the change of plans that are due to a storm. The test was this. Will you stay in the boat? Will you stay on board when the plans are changing? Anybody hearing this preacher today? Will you stay on board when the plans are now out of your control and they're changing your life? Are you going to stay on board? The ship. Let me summarize. This is so important right here. God help us to learn frequently to look beyond the uncertainty of our own plans. Did you hear what I said? God help us to look beyond the uncertainty of our own plans. Do my plans matter? Yes, for the moment. Your plans do matter for the moment. But God help us to be deeper in thought and realize my plans are uncertain. One storm could change me drastically. One storm could change your destination drastically. But you have to know this today, that even though our plans are uncertain, God has a plan. God has not been caught off guard. God has a plan. Who does God have a plan for today? I'm glad you asked. God has a plan for this world. God has a plan for this country. God has a plan for this state. God has a plan for this community. God has a plan for your neighborhood. God has a plan for your neighbor. God has a plan for you. I love how Jeremiah put it in the NIV, in New International Version of chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, said, I know the plans I've made for you. There are plans to prosper you and not harm you. Oh, Lord. Look beyond the uncertainty of your own plans and to the eternality of God's plans to bless you and not harm you. Anybody hear what I'm trying to say today? Do my plans matter? They really do matter in the moment. They matter in the here and now. 
But only God's plan is eternal. That's why it's so important, brother and sister, today to make up your mind, I'm staying in the boat. I'm staying in the boat. I'm even praying before change happens. God, when I get to that crossroads in my life, give me the strength and the wherewithal to know this is a plan-changing event going on here. And I'm asking you for grace enough to be strong in the moment, God. To be strong in the moment so that I can stay on board. Others might be bailing. Others might be intimidated by fear of the moment. And they're jumping ship. Make up your mind right now. I'm staying in the boat. Praise the Lord. Acts 27 verse 31. The Bible said, unless you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Your plans do matter, my friend. Your plans really do matter. But weigh them in the light of God's plans as well. His plans always work out. Guaranteed. They're fail-proof. His plans always work out, whereas mine are always in flux. Hallelujah. Let's pray together one more time. God of heaven, we are so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful today that we are in your hands. We are sheep in the fold that you are the shepherd over. We are a flock, God, under your pastorate. And we're asking you to guide our steps and direct our paths and give us, God, confidence today that you are in total charge. There are no accidents, God, but everything is ordained by the hand of the Almighty. We trust you, God. We confidently trust you today. You're aware of all things, large or little. And we ask for your blessing. We ask, God, that you prosper our life and our journey and the revival, God, that you are all about as we give you all the praise. I pray, God, today for your richest, most abundant bounty and blessing upon the people watching and listening now and in the future. We pray it, God, knowing your plans are the most secure that I can buy into today. Do my plans matter? Yes. But never forget how much more important His are. In the name of Jesus, love you, Palmer. Love you, visitor. Go in faith today in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.